So one of the most glorious chapters in the whole Bible is the book of Revelation chapter 5. And it wants, and it's talking about being worthy of life, being worthy of the Lamb of God being worthy. So I want us to think about this. Is what you're living for today worthy of Jesus dying for? Start off with Revelation chapter 5. We're going to read the first five verses and get started off. We're going to find out in these verses how Jesus, the substitutionary death and resurrection of the cross, how it, what it actually means in heaven for what John is seeing. Just to preface this, this is in heaven. Uh, John has been swept up to heaven, and he sees this. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. We can sort of consider that a scroll. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loosen the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book neither to look thereon, and I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loosen the seven seals thereof. Let's pray. Dear God, as we're here today, Lord, looking at what Calvary means, this one scene, Lord, sums it up. You are worthy of our praise. Lord, let us always be mindful of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what is this mysterious book? I want to show you in just a brief time, uh, what it was, and what it was, it, it is the title deed to earth. The title deed to earth. Jesus bought it back from the cross to the empty grave. John sees this book, or this scroll, whatever, and he wants it open, and he wants the seals broken. But a strong angel issues a challenge, and the challenge was who is worthy? Who is worthy? There's, there's a search for someone being worthy. And let, let's think about this. No one in heaven was worthy. That means Peter and Paul and Moses and Elijah and Noah. All that they were not worthy to open the book. He says. Nobody on earth, so anybody in John's day at that point in time on earth, nobody in that day, no kings, no princesses, no leaders, nobody was worthy to open the book. And he also said that nothing under the earth, no demon or dead person going to hell would be worthy to open this book. So John weeps. John weeps. 
Think about that. The reason Jesus came to earth. Have you ever heard of Jesus being called the second Adam? Just kind of nod. Y'all heard that? So this is not news to most of you when I, when I go this route. He was the first Adam. You know, he lost the title deed to the earth. If you, if you go back and read the book of Genesis, God gave Adam dominion of this earth and dominion over all the animals. He gave up the farm, if you will. So it becomes the second Adam, Jesus. He came back to put things right of what the first Adam lost. And let me give you some verses for that. If you look in 1 Peter 1, 19, 18 and 19, that this sacrifice that needed to be made had to be sinless to die on the cross to pay the debt of our sins. We've, we've heard that over and over and over. Jesus was born of a virgin because he needed to be sinless. All of us, this is not popular to talk about, but all of us are born under sin because we're born of woman and man. We are born under the sin curse of this world apart from the redeeming blood of Jesus in our life. That's how we come into this world. So 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says that we were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and spot. So a price has to be paid perfect and sinless. That's what all the sacrificial deaths of the Old Testament with the lambs, that's what all that represented moving forward to Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus Christ, the sinless blood of Jesus, could pay the debt. So Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven because He is the only one exclusively worthy to open this book. Jesus said in, in John 14, verse 6, He said something very exclusive. He said what? I am a way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's exclusive. Think about that. That is not live a good life and you'll make it. That's not, you know, you listen to the, it. It is exclusively Jesus. I've said time and time again, everyone that's ever dabbled in anything other than Christianity or been approached by someone outside of the Christian field, always do the check of where they put Jesus. If they put Jesus as a good man and a good teacher, turn around and walk away. Don't listen to it. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is exclusively worthy to open this book. No one else could do it. John said in a nutshell, there was again no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth that could do it. You think about it. If we had take today, everybody, line them up in a single file, and if there was some way that, that each person could go by this receptacle and put in their goodness and their righteousness, if every person on the face of this earth could dump their righteousness in, in this receptacle, and then that one receptacle would be dumped on one person, that person still would not be worthy. Still. All that. Nothing. Because we are born into sin. 
So He is exclusively worthy of our worship. That's what really what Easter is all about. That's why I wanted to point it out here in the book of the Revelation. We need to make sure we understand that it's not just the miracle that it was of, of being raised from the dead. God vindicated Jesus by raising Him from the dead, vindicated His walk on earth. That's like a, a stamp saying, yep, that's everything He's supposed to be doing. And He rose again. And we see that on Easter Sunday. But I want to show you today what John saw in the book of the Revelation and what it, one of the other things it actually meant that Jesus, Jesus is so exclusive. Because in, a, in the world we live in today, we are pushed about at every side with pluralism, with more than one. God's. If you don't watch it, you'll see some well-meaning people try to call Mother Earth. Think about that. Mother Earth. Think about what we call the tree huggers. We used to call them that years ago. The, the environment, environmentalist. We would say they're a little overboard in that. Well, not to the point, but then to the point, yes. We should be good stewards of this earth, don't get me wrong. But when you, when you substitute everything else for this earth, then it becomes a little g-god. Right? We become pluralistic in nature. We, we worship a lot of things. And Jesus stands on the stage of human history and declares that He is the only way. So let's do a little bit in, in Revelation 4. I'll be jumping around a little bit in Revelation 2. Revelation 4, just two verses, 10 and 11, talking about how He's worthy. The four and twenty elders fall down before Him that sat on the throne, that would be God, and worship Him that liveth forever and forever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Have you ever met anybody that thought this world was created for them? Have you ever met anybody like that? Again, Jesus stands on the, on, on the stage of human history. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father by me. He says, I made it all. It's all mine. The Bible tells and reinforces that everything that he made was for his good pleasure. So we're going to look at why Jesus is exceedingly worthy. And there's, there's some things in Revelation 11. In, in, in verse 4 of uh, Revelation 4, chapter 11, he says, Thou art worthy. He's declared in heaven to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and are created. There's only one that created, and his name's Jesus. He's also exceedingly worthy because of two, Calvary. We all have Calvary fresh on the brain from, from this Easter Sunday. We had a, a wonderful play last week, if you missed it. Went through the whole thing, and, and anyway, it was really, really good. Well, the Bible says in Revelation 5, verses 6 and 7, And I beheld, this is Revelation 5, verse 6, I beheld, and lo, 
in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as if it had been slain, having seven eyes and seven horns, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came down and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne, the lamb. Here we see Jesus as the sacrificial lamb. He's the only one there for the glory. The lamb come and takes the book out of the hand of God. He says, I am worthy. Let that sink in. Let's just let that sink in. A lamb as if it had been slain. There's only one other time if you do a study on what that word that we got the lamb from, it's not the grown lamb, it's a baby lamb. If you look it up in the Greek, the only one other time that particular rendition of lamb is put in it, and the other time is when Jesus told Peter to feed my sheep, feed my little, it's called anos, or anios, I think is the way you pronounce it. Little sheep. So here in Revelation, we see that it's not just even a, a, a big lamb, a grown lamb, but it's a baby lamb. The most helpless of creatures, a baby lamb that looked as if it had been slain. What does that mean? It had the nail prints in it. It had the scars, but it was walking, represents Easter, the resurrected lamb. He see John sees in this little lamb a redeeming lamb. So think about the Passovers in the Old Testament. They had a lamb, a baby lamb they would have by prescription. It would be a young lamb without spots and without blemishes. And they would, one of the firstlings of the flock, and they would sacrifice it. God said to them, if you were to select a perfect lamb without spot and a lamb without a blemish, that would be okay. So John said he saw this lamb, this little lamb, as if it had been slain, but doing something, walked up to the throne of God and grabbed a book. So we see the resurrected lamb. Some of those characteristics, that lamb is a redeeming lamb because he shed his blood. He's now standing. He's a lamb, though he had been slain again. He still has the marks of the nail prints. So he laid down in death, but now the lamb has risen, risen. You know, in verse 6 of Revelation 5, it says that the lamb is reigning is reigning. It says, and behold, this is verse 6 of Revelation 5, and behold, I and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits sent forth unto all the earth. When the Bible prophesies of horns, it speaks of power. 
Okay, it speaks of power. And we know it's seven as a perfect number. So this lamb is omnipotent. He's omnipotent. He has seven horns. Eyes always speak in prophecy of wisdom, right? Of wisdom. So he is what? Omnipotent. Omnipotent. Omnis. I can't even get it out. Omnipotent. He sees all. He sees everything. There were seven spirits of God sent out forth to all the earth. So this lamb is also omnipresent. He's everywhere. If you're everywhere, I mean, I can only be here. And you can only be there. But if we could be everywhere, just think about it. There's nowhere you're not if you're everywhere. Nowhere that you're not, right? So later in the book of Revelation, we read about the great red dragon, right? That was so large that when he come down, he swept a third of the stars. That's the devil, right? We read about that later on in the book of Revelation. The beast out of the sea. That was the Antichrist with his million, his militant millions, right? And who comes against him? A lamb. The Lamb of God. Our Savior, Jesus. The resurrected Lamb. So He's a redeeming Lamb. He has paid the price. He is resurrected. He lives again. And He is a reigning Lamb. Reigning Lamb. So the third one, Jesus is eternally worthy. There's never a time when His worthiness expires. He's eternally worthy. Think about it. Verses 5 through 8, still in Revelation chapter 5 now. And then he took, he had taken the book, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereon. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hath made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And behold, I heard a voice of many angels around about the throne and in the beast and in the elders and the number of them were ten thousands of ten thousands and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. He is eternally worthy even today and forever. Think about it. There's never been a time when he was not worthy, and there never will be a time that he becomes unworthy. 
no matter what you see in the news. Okay, he is worthy of our worship. Jesus Christ is exclusively worthy. There's none other like him. No one can open the book. He is exceedingly worthy because of Calvary. He's because he created everything. And he is eternally worthy because he is forever and ever. There's never been a time when he wasn't. In beginning, right, John said in the beginning of the, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was with Him. And then later down in verse 14 of John 1 says, and the, fle- the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know Him as Jesus. Right? He is an eternally worthy forever and ever and ever. Think about it. We have given our life and our heart to Jesus. So the question asked today, are you giving Him the worship due Him? Are you giving Him worship that's due Him? Or do you only praise and worship Him when He brings you through a a bad time? with what you considered maybe positive results. That's a lot of times people like to praise God only then. He is literally the God of the mountain and the God of the valley. He is the God through it all. God is in the valley of life. So why don't we thank God for all pieces of our life, all the places, all the pieces of our life. Why not praise Him for what Easter represents to us as Christians? As uh, Most of y'all might not have heard the conversation Mr. Bizzle and I had, but it's about the exclusivity of gospel, of, of the gospel of Jesus, how it's exclusive. And people want to kind of erase it and say, let's do away with God. But now if Jesus is not Lord of your life, the wisest thing anyone could ever do in their entire life is to bow beneath the cross. No matter what your earthly accolades are, you're only wise in the sight of God if you put Him in the correct place where He is as Lord of your life. Many people try to belittle God. They try to tuck Him away when things are going well. They tend to try to take Him and just sort of brush Him under the rug when they don't need Him. But the same God in the valley is the same God on the mountains. And we need to make sure we're singing that to the mountaintops for all to hear. So the wisest thing that anyone could ever do is bow a knee to Jesus. You know, The Bible tells us that one day every knee shall bow. So it's not a part of will you bow a knee to Jesus. The Bible says everyone will. Even the most diehard atheist, if they have passed on, I promise you they're not an atheist now. I promise you that. They'll either receive Him as Lord. I pray that's our decision. Everyone here will receive Him as Lord. 
But know this, one day you will bow to Him and confess Him as Lord. Bible's plain on that. Philippians 2 verses 5 through 11 says this. This sort of brings this home to us. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, though it thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. One day every body is going to kneel to Jesus. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Think about that. No matter what your atheist friends think today, one day they will bow a knee and confess. They will have no choice. So why not receive Him as Savior first? You know, if you think about this, just kind of rub your knees and then stick your tongue out at me and go, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. No matter what they say today. No matter what they say. The Bible is so exclusive in its claims that we should go around as people, not in the bombastic way, but in a way of, of humility, but with firmness in the point of God created it all. Bible says that Jesus sustains it, created it, and even keeps the breath in my heart, in my chest beating. Even an atheist person, they are breathing because God has given them life and sustained them. That'll keep you up night sometime thinking about. But in the book of Revelation, John saw this book that no one was worthy to open. The title deed to the earth if you look, go back in Genesis, you see that we lost it to Satan at the, uh, at the Garden of Eden. So the cross and the empty grave was a payment. So Jesus is exceedingly worthy. There is no one like Him. He's not just a, a good man. He's not just a prophet. He is the God-man. Jesus, the Bible says that every knee will bow to Him. Now, there's lots of people today that want every knee to bow to them. Don't get me wrong. But even that person one day will bow before Jesus. Bible's plain. Bible's plain. You know, we talk about the Lamb. I want you to turn back to the book in the book of Revelation to chapter 1. I want to read you a description of Jesus. 
I want to, and we're going to end on this. I want to read you a description of Jesus. Starts at verse 12 in Revelation chapter 1. And I turn and hear a voice that spake to me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to foot and girthed about with paps and golden girdle. His head and his hair were like wool, and his, as snow, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet were likened to fine brass that if it had been burned in a furnace, and his voice was the sound of many waters, and as it were in his right hand seven stars, and out of the mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and that is the countenance as of the sun shineth in the strength. And I saw him, and John said, I fell as a dead, and he laid his right hand upon me and saith unto me, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. That is Jesus. When he comes back in the last book of the Revelation, in the last chapter in Revelation, when he comes back, he'll be riding on a great white horse, and they and they say that the the Antichrist and all his militant millions of all those people are waging war against little Israel, and the earth will split open. All the all the, the sky will split open and everything out of the eastern sky will come. It will be us with him. Those who are saved will come with him riding on a white horse. And the angel tells the birds and the fowl of the air to say, prepare for the feast. And when he comes out of the sky, he comes. And with the two-edged sword out of his mouth with a spoken word, the battle is over. That's the battle of Armageddon with the spoken word. And the Bible says the blood is up to the girths of the horses so deep with a spoken word. He is so worthy of our worship. If I could live 20 lives, I would give them all to Him. He's so worthy. If there's anyone in the sound of my voice that does not know Jesus as Savior. Today would be a real good day to settle that. God loved you so much that He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, that whosoever believes on Him, Jesus, believes on Jesus, shall have everlasting life. That's a promise from God's Word. If there's anybody here that has someone on their mind that, or that's lost and wayward that's maybe not here, this altar is always open. If your knees are bad, we have three pews here you can sit on to pray. This Easter, I want us to remember, we serve the King. We serve the One who opened your eyes today to be able to awaken from your sleep. We serve that Jesus exclusively, Him and Him alone.